Let's read together that great chapter of victory. Victory of Jesus over Satan's temptations. Luke 4, verses 1 through 14. Page 1021 in your pew Bibles. Page 1021. Luke 4. Luke 4, 1 through 14. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil or being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered unto me that I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, It will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. This is God's word. May he bless us and build us by it. Brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we've been walking with David and the royal family through the mess of failure. It's almost too much to take. With the failure of David in Adultery and then murder to cover it up, plus a bunch of lies, exploiting Bathsheba and Uriah in their integrity. Then we have Amnon and his lust and violation of his sister, and Jonadab and his manipulation and power games. Then we have Absalom and his hatred. And desire for revenge was grab his soul and won't let go or he won't let go. It's a whole bunch of people falling prey to temptation. And we want to say to them, just say no. And there's two wrong ways for us to respond 
to this section in 2 Samuel, on the one hand, we can say, that would never happen to me. I'm far away from that. And 1 Corinthians 10 says, if you respond to the Old Testament failures in that way, watch out. He who thinks he stands, watch out lest he fall. The other wrong response is cynicism and despair. Temptation is something that we just can't handle when it comes, you've got to fall. So just give in. One day Jesus will deliver you from it all when he comes back. Let go and let sin run and ruin your life. Both of these are wrong responses. And as we said last week, we need to jump forward to the help that God has provided in the face of temptation. David's son, Jesus Christ. And so we take a step out of that narrative and leap forward into Jesus' face off with Satan and his victory, his triple victory, a fullness of victory at the beginning of his ministry. And we are to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ came not only to show us his victory, but to share his victory. And the good news for us today is, yes, you do have power to fight sin and win. You do. As a believer in Jesus, it's yours. It's yours. So that's good news for us. Jesus destroys Satan in the temptation he goes before us as the new Adam, and then he works that victory in us as the new creation. Those are the two things we want to see. He went before us as the new Adam. And if you want to understand chapter 4 in its context, you've got to go to the end of chapter 3, the genealogy, which introduces Jesus, you see there, as the son of Joseph, verse 23, the son of David, verse 31, and then traces his family tree all the way back to son of Adam, son of God. And suddenly we have these two Adams placed alongside each other. The first Adam. Oh, he and Eve were given everything and placed in a beautiful garden. But they were tempted by the devil to disobey God and they failed. They gave in by their own will. They listened to the voice of Satan and they came under the curse and they poisoned the whole human race as our covenant representatives with now that inclination to listen to the voice of the devil, to fall prey to temptation. We come into this world now, poisoned by that fall with a heart that wants to turn its back on God and wants to listen to the devil, wants to believe his lies. But now in his grace, God has sent his son as the new Adam. Instead of starting in a garden, he goes into a wilderness to reverse the curse. You see, Jesus is on a mission here to destroy the curse that the first Adam brought on us. If the first Adam brought disobedience upon the human race, 
and brought the human race from paradise to a wilderness. The second Adam, by his obedience, brings his people from the wilderness to paradise, back to paradise. The first Adam, by yielding to temptation, brings us condemnation and death. But the last Adam, by resisting temptation, brings us righteousness and life. I want you to see this event as good news, not just for Jesus, but for all who follow him, all who trust in him. It's good news. And I want you to notice the opening there. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. You see the contrast with the first Adam? The first Adam and Eve, Satan comes to them and ruins their lives. But the last Adam comes to Satan to destroy him. Goes after him. He's on a mission. And he's led by the Spirit to confront the devil. To face off with his temptations. And to destroy the work of the devil in his victory. He's determined to put the devil down so that we, the people of Jesus, can be lifted up. That's his first order of business. He's baptized, he's anointed, he begins his ministry, and his first order of business, go into the wilderness, confront Satan. Oh, I know Jesus will be tempted during his whole ministry. And the devil will come back after this extreme wilderness testing and try again. But the die is cast, the die is set already here. As one author wrote, if Jesus could withstand these trials, he could withstand anything. Where the first Adam failed in the garden, Jesus prevailed in the wilderness. We have these massive assaults on Jesus. He's been tempting him. Satan's been tempting Jesus steadily for these 40 days in the wilderness. And now at the end, he comes with a final massive assault or barrage of temptation. One assault in three strikes. And if you think you've been tempted by Satan, realize Jesus has been far more because Jesus is the focus of all Satan's hatred. He's the main guy Satan is after, the Messiah, to destroy him so he can, if he destroys him, destroy our salvation. He comes with all his cunning and all his craftiness and all his evil intelligence that he could muster. And notice, he comes here pretending to be a friend, not a foe. Oh, you need bread. You're hungry. Oh, you need power. You're weak. Oh, you need protection because you're not believed. Here, I got them for you. He comes as a friend, not as a foe. He presents his temptations as promises, not as attacks. What a liar. What a deceiver. What a master deceiver. And that's the way he works. 
And brothers and sisters, if Satan had succeeded with the last Adam in any way at all like the first, you know what happened? There'd be sin on the sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. He would be disqualified from his mission and we would be damned. We would never be set free from the curse. We'd never be set free from Satan's control. We'd never be set free from our condemnation. It is so vitally important that Jesus wins this match. Not 90%, but 100%. With heart and soul and mind and strength. And he did. He did not ruin He did not ruin the sacrifice. He did not wreck the cross. He remained the unblemished lamb of God. The one you can trust for your deliverance. So what were these temptations after 40 days of temptations, after 40 days of nothing to eat, after 40 days when he's desperately hungry? The devil launched one more assault and three strikes. Number one, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Verse seven, if you'll worship me, all the kingdoms of the world are yours. Verse nine, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For God says he will catch you and protect you. Throw yourself, he's at the pinnacle of the temple, Herod's temple. And it's 500 feet down to the bottom of the Kidron Brook. Throw yourself down, let God catch you and prove that you're the son of God. What's really going on in these temptations? First and most basic, it's the essence of every temptation of Satan. Do you trust God? Don't listen to him. Listen to me. Bow to my authority and life will be good. He presents himself as a substitute God and king to the son of God, Jesus Christ, the last Adam. You just let me be your authority instead of God. You let me lead you instead of God and you will become great and I will give you satisfaction. That's the first thing in these three temptations. The second thing is Satan is offering Jesus an easy way out of suffering. You don't have to go hungry. You got the power. Turn the stone into bread and eat hearty. You don't have to suffer to gain the kingdoms of the world. Just bow down to me and I'll give them all to you. You don't have to suffer to prove that you're the son of God. Just drop down from the temple, let the angels catch you, and then everybody will believe you're the son of God. You don't have to go through death and resurrection for that. Easy peasy. Life is good. It's full. If you just listen to me. So Jesus, what will you do? Will you listen to the Father and obey his will? Because his will is that you Look to the Father for your daily bread. And if he's calling you to go through hunger, that you obey that call and don't try to shortcut it. 
and shortcut your suffering the devil's way. What will you do, Jesus, in the face of the second temptation? God's will is that you purchase the kingdoms of the world through your death on the cross and so draw all nations to yourself. But you can have it easy. You don't have to shed all that blood. Just drop down before me for a second. It's yours. No suffering. Easy peasy. And God's will for you is that you prove you're the son of God by dying and rising again. That's God's will. That's how you prove you're the son of God. You don't have to go through all that. Just drop down, let the angels catch you and prove that you're the son of God and people will believe in you. They'll follow you. What a battle. Here's Jesus in such a weakened state physically. Who can withstand the evil one? Who can turn him down? Don't obey God. That's painful. That's humbling. That's saying to no to all that you feel and desire so deep within you that you feel, I got to do that so that I can, I can be real. I can be me. This is too much for me. God's way. I can't handle God's way. Surely here, understand if I try a different way. Who wants to say no to yourself and committing your life entirely to God? Follow Satan and you'll have pleasure, power, and glory now. And every time we give into temptation, we're looking for either pleasure, power, or glory now. We're saying, if I follow my feelings, if I follow my desires, then my life is real. Then I'm, then I'm more me. If I deny myself, then, then, then I'm hurting myself, Right? That, that's the temptation. But Jesus, unlike David, was absolutely, flawlessly faithful to God. As one author wrote, here in the wilderness beyond the Jordan, our commander-in-chief, fighting in a trench just like ours, turns back the enemy and teaches us how to do the same. Praise God. He resists the devil every time. It's a clear and definite no. How does he do that? With the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He says, it is written, it is written, it is said. He sicks scripture on the devil. Chases him away. He makes it clear. I will not bend my ear to the voice of Satan like the first Adam did. But I will follow the orders of my God and Father like the first Adam didn't do. It is written. It is written. Well, if only Eve and Adam had done that at the beginning. We hope to look at that more closely this afternoon. So in the first temptation, he said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. You're telling me to make bread, but you know what? I don't believe life comes from bread. And that Deuteronomy come, quote comes from Deuteronomy 8 and the full sentence says, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My life comes from the mouth of God by following the word of God, by listening to the voice of God. Oh, if I could remember that when I'm tempted. 
Life is found in the voice of God even when it seems impossible to follow the voice of God. Life is not found in following your feelings because those will bring you down. Unless your feelings are directly in line with the voice of God, which happens by the power of the Spirit. It can happen. The second temptation, what does Jesus say? It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The Bible says I must worship God alone. I must follow him. That's the way to glory, not bowing to you. I will not bow down to you. And then in the third temptation, he said, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. If the Lord says that you will be proven to be the son of God by dying and rising, why should I not take him at his word? Why should I put him to the test by saying, well, Lord, let's try a different way. I'll just fall from the temple, you catch me, and we'll make it so clear and simple and fast. That would be putting the Lord your God to the test by saying, I want to find a different track, Lord, to glory. And Jesus would not do that. And he quotes Deuteronomy 6. It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And so he resisted the devil with the will of God. And the devil fled from him and returned to Galilee. Notice, in, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. 4 verse 14. One author writes, he refused to seek pleasure and power by Satan's agenda. And the result was the enjoyment of the power of God. He thought, or Satan tempted him to think that if you listen to me, you'll have power and pleasure. But Jesus refused to seek pleasure and power by, by Satan's agenda, and the result was true power and pleasure. He enjoyed the power of the Spirit of God. And now, secondly, we see Jesus works. The new Adam works in us the new creation. Brothers and sisters, this power over Satan, over his temptations, over our desires, this power that's evident here in Luke 4 is not just for show, it's for sharing. By faith in Jesus, that power is shared with all his children. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, then David or Paul Tripp says you get two graces. When you believe in Jesus Christ, God gives you the grace of forgiveness and acceptance. Washes away all your failures, all your weakness, all your falling and picks you up again. But there's a second grace that you receive by faith in Jesus Christ. God gives you the grace of empowerment to win. So Paul Trish says, get up and follow. Get up and follow. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, we read of this war in heaven between Jesus Christ and the dragon. 
Do you remember Jesus won that war and what he did? He threw him down. He threw him down. And sometimes we just catch the negative side of that. Yeah, threw him down to the earth so he can cause all kinds of trouble here. That's not the main point. Threw him down, meaning threw him off the throne. And as the book of Revelation goes on to say in chapter 12, and I heard a loud voice when Jesus threw him down. I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they, the saints, have conquered him, Satan, the dragon, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their lives even unto death. Jesus threw him down. And though Satan is still strong and deceptive, a roaring lion seeking to devour us, this is good news that when you be, put your trust in Jesus Christ, you become a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5 or 17. You become a new creation. And there's a, let me use this word, a supplanting that happens in your life. The devil who controls your life by nature so you have no power to resist temptation is supplanted by Jesus Christ and the devil is thrown down off the throne of your life. And through Jesus you have freedom from sin's guilt but you also have freedom from sin's control, Satan's control. And you can say no. Remember, the grace of God has empowered you or the grace of God grants you forgiveness and acceptance, but it also empowers you to say no to sin. Listen to Titus 2. Listen, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to say yes or to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It trains us to resist. That's the power of Christ in us. It's, it's not a, hey, I can do anything. I won't be affected by the things the Old Testament saints were. 1 Corinthians 10 says, remember, take heed. If you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. It's the confidence of saying, I am weak, but he is strong. This temptation is too much for me, but I, by the power of Jesus Christ, can win this one. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Remember that promise? This is the, the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Both those promises are in 1 John. So we don't want to fall prey, remember, to that false gospel of self-confidence. Hey, I can do this. I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As a, as a weak person, just like David and Amnon and Jonadab and Absalom and the rest of the crew, I can run to the Lord for for help. And remember, that's the other thing we want to avoid is that false gospel of despair. Oh, well, 
we're stuck. If temptation comes, we just muzzle lay down and let it run over us because I'm too weak. Because 1 Corinthians 10 also goes on to say, God is faithful. And along with the temptation, he'll give you a way of escape. You believe that? You trust him to be faithful? And when you call upon his name and you lean on his spirit and you go to Christ, that he'll empower you to say no in this moment, in this temptation. You see, we give in only because we want to give in. Not because we can't help it. Jesus, he's the answer. He's the Satan crusher. He's the temptation destroyer. He's victory over sin. And I know the struggle will last our whole life long. And we will not have 100% success until the Lord returns. But there is victory to be won every day through faith in Jesus Christ. The devil is the tempter. And I don't know how he's tempting you, but he is, and he's tempting me. That's what he does. He's the tempter. Let me list some scenarios. Satan's targeting your soul and life with many temptations right now. Maybe you're tempted to give up on your spouse and break your marriage vows. I can't handle this anymore. Maybe Satan's telling you you don't have to go to church and you can stay at home and have it easy and comfortable. It'll just keep your anxiety levels down. Maybe Satan's telling you it's okay to cheat for the company because you have to keep your job and that's the only way to make a living. Maybe Satan's urging you to visit those websites and watch those movies that feed your lusts and grow them. You need it, he says. Maybe he's telling you to fall in line with the beliefs of your coworkers so that they don't mock you. It's okay. It's just at work. Maybe he's telling you that. Maybe he's convincing you that you have the right to lose your temper and be bitter because of all those bad people out there. Somehow he's tempting you And he's calling you to follow your lusts and pursue earthly pleasures and avoid suffering in whatever way you can because he wants you to have life easy. He wants you to be comfortable, to be compromised, to be neutralized, to be irrelevant, to be ineffective in the kingdom of Christ. That's what he wants. That's what he wants of believers. But we must not give in and we don't have to give in because God has provided a way of escape for us in Jesus Christ. So call on his name and he will help you live faithfully and victoriously. And I want to close with four aspects of fighting temptation under the acronym GUARD. We're going to misspell it. We're going to take out the U. G-A-R-D. Guard yourself. How do you guard yourself? Number one, 
G is for gospel. Believe the gospel every day. Jesus Christ died and rose to give you forgiveness and to empower you to put down temptation and he is yours all the time. And even at the table of the Lord, he reminds us of the gospel. You have me, I am yours. You have forgiveness and you have strength to go on in the way of the Lord and fight sin to the end. Gospel. Second, armor. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand in the evil day, which means be in the word. That's where your strength is. Be in prayer. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Put on the armor of God. Every day you're going out into the battlefield. Every day Satan has a whole bunch of assaults lined up for you. And every day you need to be ready. And you can be ready because Jesus has the armor all set for you. He's yours. The gospel. Armor. Third is resistance. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James 4 verse 8. When he says, look at that, don't look. Make a covenant with your eyes, remember? When he says, say that, don't say it. When it's not going to bring honor to God, when it's not going to help your neighbor. When he says, think that or fantasize about that, kill that thought. Because a thought grows into a desire, a desire grows into a plan, a plan turns into action, and action leads to death, James 1. So nip it in the bud. Kill the thought. So Paul says in Romans 13, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and give no thought how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't give it any mind, brain time. Resistance. He will flee from you. Oh, he'll come again looking for another opportune time, but... Each victory helps us another to win, remember? And then the D, draw near to God. James puts it this way in James 4. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then he says right after that, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Draw near to God. Keep your eyes on God. Meditate on Jesus and his glory. A mind and heart suffused, saturated with the beauty of Christ has less room for the love of sin. And you'll build up a hatred towards sin and a greater resistance against it because you're meditating on the Lord Jesus Christ. Guard yourself. Believe the gospel every day. Put on the full armor of God. Resist the devil and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Jesus has gone before us through temptation and opened up a way for us to go through temptation. In him, you have power to say no to sin and yes to God. You really do. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have taken care of the problem of temptation and caving that lives so deeply within us because of sin. Thank you for sending us the victorious one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who faced off with the devil for us. And thank you that through his Holy Spirit, that victory may now live in us so we can fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Give us each strength, Lord, in this battle so that in the power of the Spirit we may not go down to defeat but may resist the evil one and may finally obtain the complete victory and help us to help one another in this fight. Lord, bless us. Strengthen us for your glory. Amen.